Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you usually every Tuesday, as we are today. Uh, I got combo with me, as always, to discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. Plus, uh, you know, there's some news we could discuss uh, finally after uh, the, probably the slowest offseason we've ever seen ever. Uh, what's going on, combo? All is well. There was a crazy heat wave here, but now it's a little bit better. Weather's getting better. How are things on your side? Uh, no heat wave here, just a nice, you know, collected uh, upper 70s and uh, beautiful, so I can't complain. I've been all over the hell, all over the place. I was in Portland last week. Beautiful place. Love it. Could, could live there. Could see myself living there, definitely. Hmm. You don't see yourself living in L.A. for the rest of the time? Mean, you know, whenever you visit somewhere new and then it's lush and green and, you know, it wasn't raining and it was hot and it was – that's really great. So that's my impression right now of Portland. Obviously, in the winter, it would be a lot different. But, uh, you know, it's you never know. You never know if uh, L.A. proves uh, too much for the man, <laughs> as okay. the song goes. Okay. And, LA, uh, see, L.A. seems like a great place to live. Uh, it is. I, I like it, you know, but you never know if you need that midnight train to uh, anywhere. Portland, Georgia, <laughs> the blanks. How are you doing? All is well. All is well. Um, working on the pod, family, same as always. Love it. Love it. Well, um, we got some people here to listen up and to what we're going to talk about today, which is always nice. I'm sure that'll keep going up. Uh, and we have uh, let's let's just kick it off with the title, which we you know used about Donovan Mitchell. It seems like there was some inching closer, some more talks between the Knicks and the Jazz. Uh, do you think this this trade gets done with only two teams involved? I think there's a chance of it, but RJ signed an extension today. Is that right? And how does that change things in terms of the trade? Um, I don't think you can trade RJ now. I, 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 the stat I had seen something was like no one who signed that extension has been traded with, you know, that quickly. And you might not be able to, you know, I, I will not. Uh, I, it, it could be beyond my pay grade as far as when you get into the minutiae of the contracts. But um, it was interesting because is it a prelude to a trade where they want to lock him in? So someone else who gets him uh, in exchange for the Donovan Mitchell, you know, they'll have him. You know, is he worth do you want RJ Barrett for that long? Um, you know, it, it's it doesn't seem like that was as necessary in terms of making the trade for Donovan Mitchell as much as it was. We got to keep the guys we have a little bit happier too, because if they let string him along and not get the extension done, then that just creates animosity, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I feel like I land somewhere in the middle when it comes to RJ. I don't think he'll be a perennial All Star, but I think he might land in one or two of them throughout the course of his career. So I'm not really low on him, and I'm not really high on him. I'm not sure if it's in the team's who's rebuilding best interest to have a big contract like RJ, right? I mean, yeah. I think yeah. you want to see him play for another year or two, but that won't be the case at this point. It's, it's a good point in the sense that, you know, if the Jazz were going to do a trade and RJ was included, do they want him and does he fit into the kind of plans that it looks like they're trying to do, which is basically a teardown, go really young, get a lot of draft picks, and within a few years get back to being competitive. Uh, I, you know, RJ is sort of beyond that at this point. He's this is going to be his fourth year in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. if we, if we can check actually, out. the Jazz just got a uh, Taylor Horton Tucker in that Pat Bev deal, so he actually has a pretty high ceiling. He also has a floor that could, you know, be pretty low as well because 
he's really good with the basketball in his hands, but the shooting got to get better. The defense yeah. got to get better. But he'll turn 22 this year in his fourth year. So, you know what? That's still very young, and that could fit into the Jazz's plan. So perhaps, you know, maybe they are looking into that as some sort of a prelude uh, to a trade. You know, it sounds like they want to get it done. Uh, but I also feel like there might be some New York Knicks fans or front office people who are getting the sense that maybe uh, Don Mitchell isn't worth what the Jazz want. And I might not argue with them. We've talked about this before in terms of exactly how many picks they're going to want to get out of this hand <clears> players. I would say Donovan Mitchell, who, again, was the leader, the, the, the main focal point of their offense on a team that had led the Western Conference uh, in the in regular seasons past uh, and had been a very tough team. Um, but, again, is he worth more than, you know, uh, a couple picks and uh, a starter? And also – a pick. Also, in terms of fit, how does that look, especially if RJ's in the deal with Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt defensively? Because Donovan has some tools to be a great defender, but he hasn't been showing as much effort as he did, especially at the college level, you know? Yeah. I I mean, as far as I've seen, you're not going to be relying on him defensively in any stretch. But then again, he had to do a lot of work on the offensive end, and perhaps with Brunson there, uh, if RJ's out there too, and then, you know, Randall, maybe he does less work on the offensive end and can then get back to doing some defensing, defending. Mm. But the other thing is he's a bit small. And if he has to guard uh, two guards, he'll be, you know, three, four inches shorter, which, you know, it's funny. When I was playing, it never felt like, you know, two or three inches was a big deal. But I have to imagine that um, when you're playing at that level <laughs> and uh, guys are going to be able to shoot over you and, and the length is just different and, you know, arm uh, wingspan, too, that could have a probably a bigger, more profound impact than just being a small guard. I mean, he's six two in shoes, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, what if they had to play like the Heat in a playoff series? Like, what would Jimmy Butler do to that lineup? He would just punish them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that long. That list is long because you got Luca in there. If they're doing it in the again, well, in the finals, yeah. but, uh, you know there are guys, yeah, in the in the backcourts that are big that can really cause problems. So, um, yeah, uh, let's say we we had some hello in the uh, in the comments. We should let's, let's respond a little bit here. Uh, let's say hi to uh, to Johnny. All right, way to be first. I love it. But people, you know, there's an, uh, a race in my comments, my regular videos to be first. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I have my normal little response to that. So is so there usually like 10 people who say, I'm here first, and then? Yeah, yeah, it's a couple. Usually it's like two or three. I guess it gets pretty clear pretty quick who got it, uh, who wins. But uh, what's up, Johnny? Atrio, uh, Cycle, what's up, man? Uh, we got J- Yards, Jards, I don't know. Ruben, what's up? D-Rock uh, wants the Knicks to lose a bunch of games this season. I suppose he's looking for another high draft pick. Uh, you know, obviously, Vince uh, Wembenyana is coming up. Wait, Vince? Scoop. Vince is that his first name? Victor, Victor. Victor, thank you. Been, so, uh, um, yeah, I mean, Scoot's a really interesting prospect as well. And we'll see if the Chet injury could open the door for Scoot Henderson because there might be more fear drafting a 7'5 guy. Like, this guy is, like, literally probably 7'5. Yeah. Because we've seen some pictures against uh, with – uh, him standing next to Chet Holmgren or near Chet Holmgren, he just totally towers the guy. For sure, for sure. And we had that match up. But, you know, I, I, I lament that I didn't put that footage in the damn video because it was fascinating to watch. And and uh, Victor was was taking was taking uh, um, uh, Chet and, 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 you know, was looking better than Chet. Uh, let's just quickly say, Ruben, what's going on? And Martin Jose, friend of the breakdown, good to see you. 
Um, yeah, and the other thing about Victor Vimignan is that he he moves, I think, I would argue, better than Chet. He is a little bit more athletic in my mind and smoother on the court. Um, but, I, you know, I need to study a little bit more of him. I, I have done a dive, and I'm looking at it, but um, I would like to continue watching more this year to see how that player is out. But for some reason, he doesn't give me the heebie-jeebies like Chet did, the way he moved. And you know what? It was a freak accident. I, I, did we even talk about it? Or did, when Not at all. Started? We haven't had a live show since it happened. Wow. Okay. Because I know I talked about it with somebody somewhere in some show or some pod, but, um, you know, freak accident, but still there are better ways to move into a position where you want to defend as you're moving backwards like that. He, I have to tell you, I think he was kind of lucky he didn't do anything to his Achilles. Hmm. You know, uh, it was, a, he got that step back a little bit behind him, a lot of pressure on it. And then, you know, the heel goes all the way down probably because he was going backwards is what sort of protected it versus trying to push off and go forward with that Achilles stress all the way on it. Um, but, um, you know, that, that kind of positioning, you know, I was saying, uh, oh, I know I was talking to some players in the court about it. Had he just lifted both feet in the air and then almost like you're hopping into a shot and bounced off of the ground to contest LeBron shot that way. And then landed on both feet that way, he probably would have been able to absorb that more of that, um, stress on that foot better versus all the way on the right leg, um, as it's twerking and then it slid a little bit, maybe a couple inches. So, um, again, freak, but, um, you know, there are ways you can mitigate that. And so as a result, and I think I even told you in a text, but maybe I was the day after that, as soon as I realized how long it took for them to report anything about it, I was like, this is going to be awful. He'll probably won't play the rest of the whole year. And then within a day of that, that's what they said. So, uh, you know, not surprising. Yeah. I mean, the timeline for that injury is not as long as a whole year but they probably want to under-promise to overachieve and maybe somewhere in the middle they could say, hey, Chet's going to play and everybody will be excited. It takes a little bit of pressure off Chet and the organization. I mean, this injury has people who are big and strong and football players have had this injury. I don't even think this has anything to do with his frame, but it does confirm some people's or or the people who had what I feel was unfair um it's like unfair confirmation bias, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like the bias was unfair, but it confirms to those people that this guy is fragile. And I think that's an overreaction. Uh, okay, fair enough. And we'll see. And I, I, he's not playing this year. They're, they, they want the high pick. Uh, they're not going to risk getting it. Also, he could get stronger, right? They'll take yeah. the effort to get his body stronger. So they probably – it's not a sigh of relief, but, like, they probably are looking at this as, like, this is another – he needed another year. I mean, I, I felt like he needed another year anyway. He probably could have stayed in college to continue to develop. So it's uh, hard to it's hard to develop your body in college. You know that, Coach Nick. I guess so. But, um, you know, it, it's the natural development would happen from 19 to 20, whatever he's turning. So that would be what they would be relying on, too. Um, so if you had to have an injury that was going to keep you out the whole season, but then also allow you to develop and whatever, this is probably the one you'd want to do because, uh, it doesn't, I don't think the long-term prognosis is, is negative for him. He can, they can heal. Uh, he got, he's getting surgery. He got surgery right on it. Is that what they did? Yeah, I think um, he will. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, at any rate, this is the, you know, the kind of thing where it's not, it's not terrible. They, he can recover hundred percent and, uh, and then get all, everything else they want. So, you know, weird, unfortunate, but they, they were not incentivized to win this year. Anyway, they were not going to make the playoffs this year with that team. Um, and you know, they, there, there is this interesting thing. Do you, do you think if, if Chet, you know, whatever, they already have Chet. If you think that they would want to pick women, I think it's number one pick. Yeah, I think so. Just okay. for the potential. I think, they would probably feel like he's the best player available and usually go with that overfit. Also, they have guards already too. So, I mean, they really do have every position. 
Um, <laughs> right. It's funny that you say that because, you know, the record is not good. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they've been taking like actually they've been playing good at times and they like just all yeah. of a sudden shut SGA down. They shut Lou Dort down. Um, yeah. Josh Giddy took a leap, it seems like, from what I saw in Summer League. So they're going to have those three guys. I wish they would have had Chet because I feel like with Chet, with the rip protection he provides, they would have turned out of tank mode. But I guess this, unfortunately, in Chet's case, but fortunately for the team, they could maybe tank one more year and get Wemby or Scoop because those guys are really uh, highly touted prospects. For sure. And people have been sleeping on SGA. And if you're not sleeping on him, then good Who's better, you. him or Donovan Mitchell? Well, you got to probably go with Donovan Mitchell right now. He's got a, uh, a his resume is more much more impressive. Um, but you know, SGA has continually surprised me with uh, with a supreme skill. He really has uh, like the full package and just hasn't quite done it consistently enough across enough seasons yet um, uh, for, for for to convince everybody else. But I've seen enough, and um, it, that'll be a good conversation probably if he plays this year. Uh, you know, most of the games, and so does Mitchell. Then we'll be able to really have that, that argument, and, and I'll think it'll be a good one. Who do you think? I think in the lane, he's filthy. Like the way he decelerates all those euros, all those different finishes. Yeah. SGA is tough. He just hasn't been in a situation with a winning team yet. Right. And he's been, you know, banged up or whatever they want to call it in terms of missing games. So that's a big one too. And Mitchell's been more durable. So, you know, but, but it's a, it's an interesting comparison. And I certainly could see myself even doing that video. So let's pray that they let him play. They, they unleash it. But again, the, 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 the Thunder, you know, are not incentivized to win. And we've seen Philly do this, and look what Philly is now. They're you know top of the East. They have uh, the premier player in the Eastern Conference, and that was probably why they it was worth doing the tanking for they what they did. Um, you know, and the Thunder are doing the same play this playbook. Also, another thing is it keeps everybody with their job, right? If there's no expectations of winning, it's kind of uh, hard to lose your job in that situation. It's almost a pretty safe job if you never really turn that corner and try and win. But they will eventually, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, Pressy's going to have to, you know, but then again, he already has the the the, the resume and itself because he put together Russ and KD. And by the way, I was funny. I was going through a lot of um, uh, a lot of Russ KD footage from uh, KD's third year when he averaged thirty a game. I think that was when they got to the finals in twenty twelve. I want to say. Um, Interesting. It's an interesting perspective to watch the OKC Thunder from ten years ago with Harden. Um, I, I, you know, do I want to talk about Russ and the way he played back then? Because I don't know if I can handle uh, people screaming at me. But I suppose at the very least I could say, I told you so. And I was trying to tell you, you watch Russ in the finals. And oh, my goodness gracious. It's all the issues we saw this past year uh, at the at the rim. Um, and it, it was frustrating. I got to tell you, it was frustrating to watch that. And I, as I'm trying to put together a video for tomorrow, which will explain wh how, why KD wanted to leave the Nets, and it's but also wanted to reflect on how we got there uh, and why he wanted to leave OKC initially. And so um, it's weird. He seems to be tormented by these guards who uh, don't don't live up to what he needs alongside him, and then he, he wants to get out of there. Um, so anyway, interesting. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie's a good fit with him if he's on the court. So yeah. it, it's really not the same thing with Russ, right? Right. And, um, he, and he also he had a great guard, obviously, with the Warriors. So he's had some great guards to play with. Yeah. And by the way, that might be part of the frustration on the Warriors was that he never was going to get the, the, the shine he was looking for as long as Steph was there. Um, and then 
I think the Kyrie thing might have been the not getting the vaccine and then just not being there for him for a lot of that year and then trying to kind of come back at the very end. Uh, and they didn't have the chemistry they needed. Uh, now, obviously, a lot of that changes when when they beat the Bucks in that seven game series. If uh, Kyrie doesn't get bridged or get, you know, uh, get has be honest underneath him on, on that layup attempt and, it, and his ankle was sprained. So, um, you know, let's not forget, I believe the Nets were up 2-0 and looking like they were just going to handle the Bucks, And then isn't that amazing? Uh, Kyrie goes down uh, and then the Bucks take that, you know, with an inch uh, of a shot from KD and then they win the whole thing. Yeah. Know? I mean, and they had half a Harden, like if they had Harden at his best, he was yeah. playing really great in the beginning of that season, but that hamstring issue really, man, he was hardly himself. Like he was probably like 20%. You know, and by the way, we might have forgotten that that first year when they were all together, that nobody played more than 56 games, whatever it was, but they did play together. Uh, that They had the number one offense in the league uh, in offensive Oh, my rating. God. Some of those nights, I watched some of those games live. Like, they just look ridiculous in transition at the half court. And with that firepower with Harden, Kyrie, and KD, it was ridiculous when they actually got on the court and played together. Yeah. And then, and we might have kind of forgotten that or whatever. And again, that was the year where they had the Bucks in the second round uh, up to O. You know, they get to the conference finals minimum. You're not hearing KD complaining about getting a trade the next year. I don't think you probably aren't seeing Harden request a trade and get out of there. Um, which is another one of those things where like Harden abandons him, and then you know Kyrie wants a trade. Of course, he's then going to request the trade. Like they just, you know, what else is he going to do? He doesn't want to be stuck with the bag. Um, is that even an expression stuck with the back? Yeah, maybe. Uh, so so all these things are interesting. But as a result, it let me kind of do a little bit of a deep dive of him in Golden State. Uh, you know, in Golden State, he gets the he gets there. He's moving more than he ever had. His transition um, uh, possessions skyrocket, by the way, which is really interesting. Um, and, and I don't even know if there's anything that the Warriors did specifically to yell at him or kick him in the butt and say, hey, you got to get out there. They just – that's what they did. They would just beat you and shoot within six seconds. But they had a six seconds or less well, in, that, in that Warriors team. Well, I mean, they had Clay Thompson and Steph Curry running around. I mean, that spaces the floor in transition. All they have to do is run their lane. Uh, right. And I guess that you can argue with certain coaches that say, like, it's hard sometimes to get them to consistently do that. But to see, like, you know, KD had never used more than 15% of his possessions on transition in OKC, and he was never below 20 uh, in Golden State for those three years that he played. Uh, that, you know, and then the first year was 23 and a half percent, something like that for frequency of transition. That's just like, and then the year before was like 15.1. So that's a, just a huge jump. His number one category, having never done that before. And then, you know, you can see the ISO is slowly creep back in year over year by the end of the, uh, the playoffs of the Warriors. He was just ISOing most of the time. And that was probably the little indication that we knew he was going to get out of there. Now that's on KD, right? In theory, because KD, um, didn't have to ISO. You see him break the playoff and start dribbling a bunch of times. And okay, maybe it's a mismatch or so. You know, he'll just want to attack that. But um, you know, you didn't have to do that. That's a decision by the player himself. And so, part of me feels like he was shooting himself in the foot a little bit and uh, to get out of there or something. So, who was the best player on that team? Well, I did that video, and I'm not even sure I really made a determination, but I certainly showed. Um, well, the, actually, the point of the video is to show that they weren't really doubling either of them, either Steph or KD, that much. They doubled in that in the thousand possessions of the finals that they had when they played together. Whatever it was, there was fifty doubles, like legit doubles, right? That was it. That's not a lot. Um, but you know who's better? You know, listen, Steph is that engine. He creates so many things for so many people, and it's very subtle a lot of the time. 
he'll he'll cut off of KD. KD's man goes to Curry. Curry's man goes to Curry. KD is like all by himself. That happened a lot. Now that's not a double necessarily, and when they screw up the rotation on that, but like you know, he pulled guys out, and so you know, I, you, you probably you have a you have an argument for for Steph. I would say KD. I mean, again, then what? How are we judging this? Like better skill, better basketball player. Just okay. So you, so you want you want to give him the defensive stuff? Yeah, I mean, the defense is part of it. Um, he won the Finals MVP two of those years, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he right. came up the biggest in the biggest moments because honestly, I mean, obviously Steph is look, man, he's like, I would have him top 10 as of now, but KD like just gets a good shot whenever he wants, right? Whenever he wants. Interestingly enough, uh, we did see Tatum block a few of his shots on pull-ups. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know what I don't know what was going on in that series. I mean, I think he was worn down. He's playing over forty minutes a game, and that oh, that was the other reason why he probably wanted to trade. It's like Kyrie was playing alongside me, and we got swept, and I had to play forty minutes. It's too hard, and I and it, at this part of his career, where it wasn't, it wouldn't have been too hard when he was younger. Yeah, I mean, like he wanted to get traded every place he's been at, so you could always uh, find a you could always find a reason. To want right. To be traded. Well, and by the way, that reminds me, it's one that say, uh, if you want to get your question up on the screen and have us answer it directly, Super Chat is the way to go on YouTube. And right on cue, we have our first one from Zeka, who's a friend of the breakdown. Let's put it on the screen. Curry was better the whole year until the finals in 2017, I would argue. And thank you again so much for the generous Super Chat. Really appreciate it, Zeka. Um, it's, so he's talking about the 16, 17 season, the first season when, when, when uh, Katie got there. I mean, the, the offense was so balanced and it moved so beautifully that first year that, you know, it's hard to really even say who was bet, the best even then, right? Like that, that was the, that, that was the Shangri-La that first year really just came to fruition for them. The honeymoon phase. Yeah. Everybody was moving it, pass it, shoot it, drive it quickly. Yeah. And they played beautiful basketball for it. And that was part of the reason why Kevin Durant wanted to be there as the years passed on and he realized he didn't want to be there anymore. They played less of that style of ball. And as you said earlier, they went more to the isocentric basketball when Katie was ready to leave. I'm just going to check right now for the 16-17 season. I want to, I'm going to see the frequency uh, the Warriors had on in transition compared to the rest of the league. I'm, I'm curious how much farther they were ahead of everybody. Oh, I can't see that. They, you know, Synergy changed its thing, and it doesn't let me click on that now. Oh, uh, hmm. Let me go overall and see if you know, that's interesting. They changed this. All right. Well, um, I'll I'll screw around with this and see if I can figure out how to get that ranking back. Huh. Amazing. Anyway, uh, I'm sure it was high. Well, let's see. Let, let the Nets, for instance, uh, transitioned well, only well, 15%. Of can the time. you look at can you look at the regular season stats? That'd be interesting to look at. Oh, I see. Percent, percentage time rank. I, oh, they changed that. Okay. So percentage of the time, let's do this uh, by that. Okay, the Warriors led the league at 18.9% frequency in transition. Let me make sure, yes. Uh, the next team was was way, uh, was way a point and a half below at 17.4. And then the third team was only 0.2 behind the second. So, you know, that's a huge gap. They were so far ahead of everybody in terms of how quickly they were playing in their offense. That, uh, you know, it wasn't close. So can you pull up Curry's and KD stats? Uh, you want me just the regular ones? Yeah, I'd like to see. All right, um, let me do that. He might have a great point here. I mean, obviously, you can't tell everything from stats, but it'd be interesting to see what it looked like in the regular season. Yeah, you know what I'll do? I'll Maybe I'll share the screen. I'll put them up here. Yeah, um, I would imagine that KD wasn't trying to step on toes that first year as well, right? 
like it's his first right. year. He wants to be there. He he has to be traded there. And uh, absolutely, and and he was. We saw. We you know. We I I had you know talked to him a little bit, and he for, for sure was like just so excited to be there and uh, do whatever needed to be done. Where is my? Oh boy, I lost my Streamyard tab. I have too many tabs. Oh, here it is. I had too many tabs open. All right, here we go. Bring it back over here. Now let me share the screen and see how we do here. Um, if I go here, oh boy, let me do this though. Okay. So is this big enough? Maybe if I go like this. Man, that is that? pretty big, isn't it? Yeah. Um so I mean look at that. Curry point, you know, two tenths more than uh KD. Um field goal percentage KD had him overall, three point percentage Curry had him. Uh, you know, and by, by the way, that's the thing. Uh, Durant had put up the best shooting numbers of his career here just because of the way the offense moved. It was crazy. Um, so, you know, this is all pretty, uh, pretty good. It, it looks pretty close. Obviously, KD has the rebounding advantage, right? Mm -hmm. um, Steph has a little assist advantage. But it's pretty close um, yeah. in terms of stats. You know, he averaged 1.6 blocks per game. I mean, that's... Got oh, yeah, you know, that's another thing, like... He was at his best in terms of being a rim protector when he was with Golden State. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. I mean, and they needed him to because you know when they would play with Draymond, um, you know they they needed him to be a, just another guy there, um, ready to help out and um, and protect that rim. That so, be, the Ben Simmons KD fit on defense could be really interesting. They could be a terror. Well, you know, you and I. I mean, I kept saying this. If you ever watched the show, I kept saying over and over again, we deserve to see this. I want to see Kyrie, KD, and um, Ben Simmons out there together with, uh, uh, let's see, Curry is still there. Yeah, right. Steph, yeah, Seth is still there. Joe Harris, Harris is still there. Is still there. Patty right. Mills is still there. Right. So they got, sh they got shooting. They got shooting yeah. around uh, Ben. I mean, Absolutely. Ben could be really interesting in transition. He's a really smart passer. He's great on defense. Yeah. And he could fill a lot of the holes that a lot of the other players on the that team have you know he and he needs to because again we'd seen them in that first year be number one in the offensive rating but then terrible defensively and that was you know but even then they they had the bucks like you know you watch those first two games it, I, I, I remember thinking like there's just no way the bucks could win the series uh they're just you know the warriors i'm sorry the nets had too much uh and especially the way the way that the the bucks play their defensive stuff of giving up helping one pass away walling off where the guys were kicking it was you know there's just too much for them to overcome and uh unfortunately as soon as um you know hard uh Kyrie goes down uh they can't handle it and then Harden tries to come back but you know and by the way I'm saying that they could have beaten them without Harden Harden didn't play in the first game or two anyway and they had him up too well if I'm not mistaken so someone need to correct me on that one I don't think Harden played in the first two games of that series. Yeah, I have I that's right. Um, let me just call up Harden real quick. That was uh, let's see here. What year are we talking about here? Um, two years ago. So let me look at um, let's see Harden game logs. So not oh hey come back twenty one twenty two it was nineteen twenty no twenty twenty one okay from the Nets he got traded to Brooklyn in that that year and then yeah uh, let's see. No, he did not play the first. Wow. He didn't play the first four games. Oh, he played the first game 43 seconds of the first game and then couldn't go. Didn't play the next three games and then gutted it out the last three games. Wow. Okay. And yeah. Even, even then, having really didn't play the first three games, you know, the first two, like, yeah, I thought that they were going to beat him. So uh, we deserve, we deserve to see what that's going to look like. I'm anxious to see it. I think it'll be really, really good. 
Um, I think they could beat the Bucs. I think they could beat the the Celtics, honestly, with that team if they're all healthy. I do too. I mean, I think they're a great fit, probably a better, even a better fit than with the Harden team. I think he complements KD and Kyrie in a way that Harden couldn't, even though Harden is the better all-time player, obviously. So um, there, there are reports that he's going to play the five, which I think is incredible for them. I think he's almost play. like they're watching videos about having Ben Simmons play the five somewhere on YouTube. Where would that be? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was my channel. I don't know. But yes, at the very least. And by the way, there's evidence that Simmons was terrible playing the five defensively. Um, but we again, we we just need to see it. We need to see it now in that current iteration with Katie out there alongside him, um, and really just find out once and for all if it's viable. You know, I, I think it would be. Um, and I think that Ben Simmons can figure that out. And again, unless he's guarding, you know, Embiid, ironically, or Jokic, uh, or, you know, um, Vucevic. Other than that, I think he'd probably be able to handle most of the other guys. Yeah, I, I, I know so. forgetting another guy. Who's another big post-up center that I'm forgetting? Nick Claxton? What are you talking about, for the Nets? No, the, who, who Simmons would have to guard. Besides oh. Jokic, Embiid, and, and like uh, – Cat? I mean, Cat in the finals? Cat could be that a little bit. Um, Gobert? Oh, my God. I would put I would put Simmons on Gobert all day long. First of all, I've seen Simmons kill Gobert. Yeah. Well, that it, was, was a game, it was a game that Joel didn't play. He had like 45, and there was a bunch of them right at him. That, ironically enough, was the game I focused on uh, when I did this video. It was, Okay, combo, it was me. Oh. I did the video. I was, I, trying to video, I, was trying, I was trying to figure it out. When I, when I did the video that said that uh, Simmons needs to play center, his best game that whole year was that game after when um, MB was out and he played center. They spaced the floor. He was everything you want and love about Simmons was on display. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was great. And so – and that was Gobert out there. But, you know. I always it, said that, like, I wanted to see Ben in, like, Giannis's situation. Yeah. When he had all shooters around him, like, what that would look like. Because, obviously, him and Joel was never the best fit. Sure. And then, okay, it's Valanchunas uh, is another good call. Thank you, Otto. Um, Giannis, you know what? I like – I kind of like Simmons guarding Giannis. I think that could work. Um and you know this is this is a big season for Giannis once and for all. Like, is his three point shooting going to kind of really come around? We looks saw a lot some, better, Coach Nick. It, it looks it looks better. It looks better. Hey, did you see, did you see the Jimmy Butler footage uh, today? The one somebody drops Jimmy Butler where he's, he's hitting all these threes. They never I've miss. Seen, Isn't that weird? I've seen that. I think he's working out up in the Hamptons in New York. I've seen yeah, that. the gym is interesting. I, I hadn't recognized that gym. And um, but I, I, you know, for those of you asking, you know, I don't want to get involved on. Twitter with it, but um, with who's tagged on it or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I didn't see much from Jimmy's shot that looked any different. It was all sort of two motion still. And, uh, you know, I would say that uh, the energy transfer on Giannis's shot looks a lot better. That looked better, better. Um, And, you know, maybe the left arm isn't shooting out like as much as it did, which I think, again, doesn't have to be a problem, but it just looks so painfully awkward that if you can kind of keep the left arm from doing that, then okay. Um, you know, so yeah, it looked the energy transfer was better from the corner on a weird angle from behind, which I would love to be able to see the other version of that. Uh, I believe there was a couple other shots though of him, right? That have leaked out of Giannis shooting. I was talking about him in the game versus Jokic's team. It looked a lot oh, better. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. He had a spot up one and the energy transfer just looked a lot better. The speed of the basketball was going at a higher rate. Yeah. And I thought it looked pretty fluid. 
I mean, exactly. I, and that's more encouraging than him just shooting corner spot up jumpers. Fair enough. And, and we know that for the, the one thing you can almost, you know, guarantee as years go by is that players will ultimately shoot better from the three point line. It's, it, it seems to be one of those only things that almost universally happens across the board for everybody in, in some increment. So it wouldn't be surprising. And if that happens, then yes, all of a sudden he's, you know, I have to put uh, Giannis a lot higher on my skill rating uh, of wherever he ranks there because he's basically just overwhelming at this point physically. Um, and that is a, a skill, I suppose. But when I'm talking about like the passing, the dribbling and all that stuff, um, you know, one, if the three-point shot starts really falling and they got to deal with that more, um, you know, all of a sudden it opens up everything else. So, he, that, you know, that's true. But the Bucks are, are uh, you know, could very well, you know, make another statement themselves if they can stay healthy too. Uh, we have another Super Chat. Let's put it on the board here. Um, from Bron, friend of the breakdown, Bron, thank you so much for the Canadian Super Chat. Hey, Coach, would you put Ben at the elbow and just have KD and Kyrie coming out through handoffs? What offense would you implement? I mean, we know that KD's favorite set, if you have to do anything sort of organized, would be on that um, the right side coming up of a pin down or handoffs that way so that his right uh, he's going to his left. So absolutely, that could work really nicely there. Um, and then Kyrie, you know, Kyrie, yeah, I would love to see Kyrie come off handoffs all day anywhere on the court. Uh, you know, he's going to end up doing his wizardry with the off the dribble a lot more than anything else, I imagine. Um, but Ben at the elbows is great. It keep him, you know, out of the dunker spot a little bit as much as they can, I think would be great. Um, but yeah, I'd have him coming out of any, uh, any kind of angle off the elbow of the corners for, for handoffs and, and maybe getting his own ball screens to turn the corner, go downhill would be great. What do, what do you think? I think a point of emphasis for them has to be push in transition because I think that's where Ben is at his best. Mm-hmm. And that's something they were lacking last season. And he'll probably have four guys around him who are good transition shooters, right? I'll probably have Joe Harris, Patty Mills, Kyrie, Katie, maybe not that lineup because that lineup seems kind of small, but he's always going to have a lot of shooters around him. And I think as long as he pushes in transition, I think he'll be great. And I do think it's a great fit. As I said, already. Oh, I have no doubt. And if they don't, there's something wrong. I have no doubt that Nash will play um, Simmons, Katie, and then just go Kyrie Mills and, and Harris. Without question, that that might actually be their like you know um, the the Hamptons five, whatever you want to call it. They they're gonna they're gonna need that kind of thing. I mean, you could go crazy and maybe throw Patty Mills in there uh, for one of the other guards and get really small. But I think if you have Simmons and KD in there, that's that size is probably enough, uh, you know, for limited minutes to to turn a game around. So again, there's yes. so many things they could do with that. You can then you know give KD a rest and let you know Simmons and Kyrie work together with you know three other shooters. Um, uh, or or go Claxton Simmons, you know, and then you know three, you know uh, Mills, um, Harris, and and Kyrie. They, well, they do have a lot of options here, and um, I'm anxious to see it. I mean, it, 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 in my mind, on paper or whatever, they, they could be as good as anybody else in the East. Some of those lineups, though, I like it. I mean, I mentioned it, and you seem to like it as well. It just hurts my brain a little bit defensively, right? With Patty Mills, Kyrie. Yeah. Joe Harris, but obviously Ben and KD are elite, so maybe they can make up for some of it. Um, right. But I, I love the lineup offensively. I mean, listen, Patty Mills, he's short, but he, he understands spacing and, 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 and positional defense. Um, and he's, he really hustles, and he really tries to you know make plays. So I think he could do some things there. Joe Harris has sort of shown he doesn't get – doesn't it's not obvious out there like he just sort of is in the flow and isn't getting getting you know destroyed which is all he needs to really worry about as long as he's hitting threes um and then you know Kyrie Kyrie will rip guys uh, on occasion right like you'll see him 
just somehow hone in on that ball and just make a, a professional ball handler look foolish. So, yeah. um, you know, every, if he can make a couple of those kind of plays, that's all you need. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie has elite feet and elite hands. We know that from the offensive side of the ball, and it definitely does show its head um, on the defensive side of the ball at times. But he's just like a special athlete with his instincts. Absolutely. Well, we, we have another super chat. Thank you so much, nice. D Rock. I think I'm not sure if I've seen D Rock before. So if not, welcome to the uh, conversation and thank you. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Nets fan. Small ball will be the death of me and the Nets championship aspirations. Have we learned nothing from getting swept? Well, listen, okay, so they get swept with Kyrie healthy and KD healthy, playing you know a, lot, a ton of minutes. Um, was that the issue? I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, the I mean, issue was KD was just really inefficient because they were just muscling him the whole time. Yeah, um, I mean, Ben Simmons could have unlocked a lot of that too, right? Like, I think he's a great guy to have in terms of a small ball lineup when you play him at the five. Yeah. Well, you know what? I just, you know, I just think you got to take a breath and like just give it a chance, and not like five games. Give it twenty-five games. Really, you know, let let them play five minutes together, seven minutes together with him at center. Uh, see what that's like every time. Uh, and by the way, you might have to mix and match. You might have to sort of get Patty Mills in there instead of Harris, or you know, whatever uh, else. Um, you know, but otherwise, you're talking about Claxton. Claxton will have to play more minutes, and that's fine. I, I, he makes some plays. I like Claxton. Yeah. Yeah, I like Claxton. Yeah. I think actually, like him on another team could. Uh, he's not as good as uh, Jared Allen, but I do feel like he could be better on another team for some reason. Like I think he's pretty good. Like he runs the floor. He's athletic. He's a lob threat. He makes defensive plays. Yeah, I mean he's everything you want in a modern big besides the spacing. So yeah, he's got decent hands. He doesn't really yeah. have moves per se, but he can finish. Um, and, and, and you have to hope that like whoever's working from the, within the summer has to help, help him develop a jump hook, uh, or some other finishing around the basket. Uh, I think he, I think he has a long NBA career, that guy. Claxton. Yeah, probably. You yeah. know, I mean, and he, I, I, in my mind's eye, I can picture him putting the ball on the ground a little bit, like, you know, dribble handoff shouldn't be too much of an issue, but it would be amazing to see him get the ball in the mid post face up and, and do a move. Uh, just, you know, just to kind of keep the defense honest and let maybe the, a couple guys have a rest every so often. But um, so so don't get too crazy about it yet, D-Rock. I think that they – I think it's, it's a viable – there's going to be a couple small ball lineups they can figure out that will do really well. Well, what's a lineup that's not a small ball lineup there, right? I mean, what, like Katie, Claxton, Ben? I mean – Yeah, so, yeah you're right. Okay. I mean, any, any lineup with Claxton is is normal, whatever, and then every lineup without him, I suppose, because they don't have anybody else, right? DeAndre – uh, no, he's not. No, nah, no, nah, yeah. Somebody – he signed somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And they – I think they – I think they got rid of him at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, sorry. DeAndre Jordan was uh, in Philly, and now I don't right. know. I lost right. Him. I think he signed somewhere, though. Yeah. So, anyway, so good stuff. Uh, we got some more Super Chats. My goodness, thank you guys so much. Sean Shotgun, what is that emoji, or what is that thing? Do you know what that is? I have no idea. Okay. But it's, it looks like somebody. It looks should... like anime to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to see how DeAndre Aiden plays this year. You and me both. I mean, you know, obviously the reporting hasn't been up to snuff. Something happened, right? Something outside the court. Something was said that was so egregious in my mind that it, like the team kind of wilted having been in a situation where they would have won that series and then fell apart against Dallas. I mean, it didn't look good at the end. There were some issues with him and the team actually on the court or on the bench. I'm not sure which one it was. Another thing is, like, they could have maxed him. Then it almost seems like they were forced to max him and didn't really want to. So that's not right. a good look right there. But well, um, I mean, you know as a per 
yeah. As, as a professional player, you have to put that behind you because it's not in the best interest of your own career if you hold on to that. So hopefully he plays hard and hopefully he has a great season with the Suns. Yeah. Now, the only issue this is like Dallas would get smaller and smaller and he wasn't matching up well and they couldn't keep him on the floor enough. Uh, you know, if you got guys like Kleba playing the five and spacing for threes, it was really hurting them or forcing a switch with Luca to have to, uh, the, he had to guard Luca. Um, and so he needs to get better at that. Um, and then also, I mean, what's frustrating is I'm sure on his part too, is he could do damage on the other end to mitigate any of the, the buckets he might be giving up from, from mismatches. And he just wasn't getting any of that. And, uh, you know, I, I, but again, there was some issue, uh, it looked like Monty had an issue with his effort or with his attitude or something. Um, perhaps words were exchanged. And at that point, you know, in the playoffs, that's the last place you'd want to have that happen. Uh, you, you want to be able to get through the playoffs without any kind of uh, disruptions like that. And uh, when they happen, they could be, you know, they, this is what happened. You could see a, a, a collapse and that's too bad. Cause by the way, this is the, probably the last chance for the Suns. I'd imagine in this iteration, right? I mean, Chris Paul's not getting any younger. Oh, and, Luka Doncic took their heart. It's in Luka's pocket. So yeah. I don't know. Well, this might be, honestly, this might be your last chance. And if not, they, I mean, who knows if, you know, Bridges could have been on the training block. Uh, they might start moving some pieces around. I don't know. Hey, that means maybe Cam Johnson will get to start. We'll see. But um, I like Cam Johnson. I love Cam Johnson. Yeah. So, and by the way, he, it just makes them so much better. Him coming off the bench and just doing what he can do. And I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be better. He'll probably be better, have more confidence and all that stuff. Like Claxton, I think he's a guy with opportunity on another team could look a lot better than what he does with the Suns because when he plays, he looks good absolutely well thank you sean shotgun i really appreciate that we have another super chat coming in here brian holiday uh thank you my goodness really so generous all of you guys today this is really really great uh let me just make sure uh, i'm not missing anybody over here in the viewer activity okay so brian holiday says how do you value skills versus effectiveness for example kd is skilled in every area of offensive basketball while Giannis is effective in the paint but is less skilled and effective in other areas I mean, that's a good question. You have to sort of rate out everything. Passing, ball handling, shooting, obviously, is premium in this day and age. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, if you're going to have to try and separate KD and Giannis, Giannis is, is as impactful, right? That's the word I use, but it's not certainly not as skilled as KD. Yeah, I mean, but KD is super skilled and effective. So it's kind of a... Right. You know, this is a nuanced question. It's a great question. But Giannis also has some skills. Like, shooting is not one of them, but he handles really well for his size. The passing got better. Um, for that size, he's, he's pretty skilled when we look at basketball players. Maybe not – he's obviously not skilled compared to, like, KD. But they right. both have both. Um, yeah. But I see what he's saying here. Like, just because a player is more skilled doesn't necessarily mean he's better. And that's obvious because Kyrie, to me, is the most skillful player in the league. And to me, he's not the best player in the league. I'll even go, hey, I'll even go as far to say this, Coach Dick, because I've been thinking about this. Kobe Bryant was more skillful than Michael Jordan. Yeah, that's nonsense. It's just pure skills. What what skill was he better at? What skills was he at better? He had what? a better handle. He was more ambidextrous. He had better footwork. No. I don't think he had a Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was bigger and more athletic and more effective in the mid-range and better at the rim. But just skill level, like handle. I, what, what what was wrong with Michael's handle? No. Wh when did I say anything wrong? 
Kobe's one of the most skillful players ever. I never said anything wrong. Oh, I know, but like Michael's handle was just—it was great. Like the, he didn't, you know, he had everything he needed to do with his handle. And I, are you saying because he didn't go through his legs a second time, like that's that Kobe is better? I mean, part of it was the part of it was the evolution of the game because every generation yes. gets more skillful. Well, but Michael, right. Michael, Michael Jordan was clearly the better basketball player than Kobe Bryant. I just think Kobe Bryant was more skillful. Yeah, but um, but also shot selection has to be part of that skill skill uh, evaluation as well. Uh, and Kobe suffers greatly from that. And when you watch those games now, it's like, oh my goodness, there wasn't you know. And by the way, the same thing with like Russ, you know. I don't want just just give you an example in that final series against the Heat when they went and they got there in a surprise a little bit, uh, the, the Thunder. Um, Russ ended up taking more shots than KD did. And KD even played a few more minutes than Russ. Um, and it was like the shot selection. That's such a huge thing for every player. And it's part of it. I don't think it gets talked about enough. So you have like some skills, you think you have some confidence and then you just, you just torpedo your team. Uh, Kobe was the, was the best bad shot maker I've ever seen. You know, you, you need to kind of parse that language however you want to. He'd take terrible shots, but he'd make some of them, and they almost be like, "Oh, great, he's going to take some more now." But um, I don't know. I, I I never. I don't. I don't know if I can differentiate much between. You know, I mean, listen, you, you didn't have to see Michael do the crazy stuff because he was just so an assassin, and he just didn't well, need to. In a way, this go this goes back to the question: like Michael Jordan was more effective than anybody ever. Okay. But are there players that were more skillful than him? Probably. All right, but the, but the footwork thing—I don't know if I buy anyway. The foot, Mike, I mean, there was no Mike. Mike had Mike had great footwork, but Kobe added on top of that with some of the stuff he had in his bag when it came to footwork. I mean, to me, it's I mean, like he just imitated him. Michael, like Michael, had a way better first step. Obviously, to the rim, he was a lot better. The mid range was more efficient. Yeah, um, all that stuff. But I don't know if he. I don't think he was more skillful. He was better, but not more skillful. All right. Well, well, all right. Well, anyway, great question, Brian. And and who knew we were going to get into a Kobe versus Michael discussion? Wow. Uh, we have Maroon, uh, best friend of the breakdown. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's your take on Golden State Summer League? Moody and Kaminga looked good. Well, they, they all three of them played. They lost that game. So I don't know how good they looked on that one. Um, uh, but let's see here. Uh, I mean, listen. Moody yeah. Good. yeah. Moody looked pretty good. Yeah. You were there. You saw him in person. You felt like uh, he stood out. Amongst all yeah, those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wiseman has the tools. Kaminga is a ridiculous athlete. So they all have a lot of potential. I think Moody has, like, the highest floor, and probably Kaminga has the highest ceiling. And yeah. oh, Wiseman, right. Wiseman has all the tools for a modern big. So I mean, Wiseman's a future all-star in my mind, and that's a kind of a hot take because people think that maybe Moody is the guy that's going to really break out and do that first. Uh, it's an embarrassment of riches. They're in a perfect situation where they could take whatever time they want to develop without any pressure on them because Clay and Steph and uh, and Wiggins are still there. Um, you know, th this this could turn into something for the Warriors that will last them a long time. Uh, you know, they'll get another couple of years out of Clay and Steph, and then you could turn it over to these guys with Poole if they keep it all together uh, and just keep it rolling. I I'm telling you, Wiseman, when you say all the, all the tools, I mean, the guy, the guy has, you're right, he has everything and he's huge and he can shoot, he can dribble, he can finish. He, uh, you know, I I'm assuming that Draymond's going to really mind meld with him and help him get better at defense. He might not be as good as Draymond ever. No one probably ever will be. But uh, if he can really get a handle on that. And by the way, all he needs to do is make the same improvement that Aiton made. 
Aiden, you know, had a big jump from his rookie year to second and third year defensively, and that's what made him so valuable where they needed to kind of sign him. But uh, that's all Wiseman needs to do, and I think that was just a natural progression of like, experience on the floor. I think the biggest concern for him is just assertiveness. Uh, Wiseman? Yeah. Assertiveness. Yeah. I mean, you know, he hasn't played. He barely played in college. So, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and yeah. and that's the beauty of it. He doesn't have to. He'll get all the dump off passes and dunks. He'll yeah. get mobs, um, you know. And then you know, but we've seen him even when in the little minutes he did play alongside those guys. Like he, I, he wasn't really too shy. I mean, he got some shots up, you know. And I'm sure they'll encourage it too. That's the other thing about playing with Steph is he'll he'll encourage that and let them explore. So, um, I I don't know if see, anyone's going to be able to beat the Warriors again. See, he's more skillful than Kaminga. Obviously, they play super different positions, but Kaminga has that like. He has that instinct where he wants to be that best player on the court, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Wiseman really has that, but I wouldn't be surprised if your prediction of him being an all-star comes true because he's super skillful, super big, and he has the athleticism to back it up. Yeah. And, and by the way, Moody also feels like that guy who is ready and isn't intimidated and wants to show the world. Um, so, you know, but by the way, it's it'll be hard for Moody to do that because Jordan Poole is doing that and wants to keep doing that. So well, I don't yeah. know if they're gonna make that work. Moody's also the perfect fit for the modern NBA because he's like three and D, and then he eventually become could become three and D plus. Yeah. You know, like how Paul George has became that. I'm not saying he'll be Paul George. I'm just saying he has that type of potential because he's already three and D, and maybe he could add some even more to his game. For sure, for sure. Well, we got another super chat here as we get kind of close to the end of the show here uh, on a late Tuesday. Uh Tat from Canada. Thank you so much, Tat. Uh, what ifs? Prime cousin with injury or prime Joel? Wow. We People have probably slept on cousins. Right? Like, I think we've forgotten at his height what he was. Well, cousin, cousins is actually a way better passer. That's what I yeah. like about him. Yeah. And because Joel's gotten a little bit better, but, you know, he's still, you double him, he might not really make much of a... a I don't know. Something... Something about the way Cousins played basketball, I probably liked more, but I can't say that he was ever a better player than Joel is right now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, as a teammate, he was awful. Um, I saw it firsthand. It was, he was an awful teammate uh, in practices and whatever. So that's, that's a thing that, and I'm sure Joel is probably one of the best teammates in the league uh, as far as his demeanor. Him, uh, he, like, doing all these podcasts, podcast episodes i've done i could kind of like read a person in podcast interviews and he just seems like a great teammate a great guy when you like watch him in his podcast yeah like yeah he just seems really cool to play with he supports his teammates he's funny he yeah. understands social media like he just seems like a super cool guy right uh, i agree and that, and that helps in this day and age when you need to be yeah. spreading and shooting and have finding rhythm and not being playing uh, intimidated by your own teammates um, but I mean, listen, Cousins was a it was a much better passer, and he he had probably yes. ball handling too. In a way, was better. Uh, he probably shoots just the same as Joel did. You know, he would shoot threes, he can nail them. Um, so that's a tough one. Uh, and then, yeah, defensively, there's probably an edge. But he was Cousins was still pretty good that there as well as a all around basketball player. He was terrific, but um, just injuries got in the way, and and then you know, jo Joel got some stuff in his bag in the mid range that Cousins doesn't really have, like in terms of ISO bag. Right, like, as okay. he pulls and yeah. different kinds of oh. step backs. Um, yeah, Joel is really you. skilled in that area. But you're right. I mean, Cousins was yeah. definitely the better passer and said had such a great feel for basketball. Uh, absolutely. So you know, I think we're gonna we'll go with Prime Joel. Okay. Um, Zeka is back with another super chat. Thank you, thank you. My goodness, 
I think the Warriors' main group will be Curry, Clay, Wiggs, Dre, Looney. Then the bench will be Poole, Dante, Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman. I mean, oh, yeah, I forgot. Did Vincenzo. Man, oh, man, oh, man. It's an embarrassment of riches. I don't see a team beating this team if they're healthy. Hey, right? man, they just proved it this year. What What could I tell you? I can't, I can't really uh, tell you you're wrong there. I mean, I think the Bucs have a great chance this year still. Um, there's yeah. some really good teams around the league, like the Lakers and Nets. They're in the mix, but they're like in that outer bubble of contenders right now because of what they've been through this past year. Um, who else you got in there? Like the mix, like, like let's say outside of the Warriors, who do you like? Who wouldn't surprise you if they won a championship this year? The Celtics, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I feel like I'm not a big believer as the Celtics. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, you like to think that this is a big experience for them, or they right, they, true, they, true. They got hardened and they'll be better. Um, no pun intended with that word hardened. Um, you know, the, the, the Suns have to be considered up there, you know, in Meltdown or no, they were there. Now, the Mavericks, I don't know if anyone's including them, uh, you know, as a conference finalist. I don't know if they're thinking that it was a, a fluke or what. Um, you know, Luca got hurt, right? Or no? Luca hurt his No, egg. no, he's all right. He came back. He came, he came back, back that game. Yeah. He, yeah, he came back in that game, which is probably even more foolish. Just you should have just that was it. Um, so, but Luca probably will be in, in better shape and he'll start that way and that'll help them. Um, I'm trying to remember what else Dallas MVP did. season for Luca. They lose Brunson, which is huge, and you know, but they'll have you know Spencer the whole year. But did they do any other moves? I don't think so, right? No, and that was my thing. Like I was saying that Luca's going to win MVP this year on Twitter, and people retorted that they don't think their record's going to be good enough. But I think he's just going to drag them to a good record. That guy's too good. Yeah, that's possible, and and he'll have to, and that's why he'll get the MVP numbers. True, true, true. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So we'll see. But it's, but Dallas is probably the one where you'd say, okay, then they might not make it back, unfortunately. Um, I, I think people are looking at, like, the depth of the West, and that yeah. could be the issue for them. But, I mean, Luke is just – that guy's too good, man. Yeah. That guy's too I mean, good. Listen, the Warriors could be number one in the in the West and, and have Curry play 28 minutes a game. You know what I mean? I mean, look, they could do the load management thing while they develop their young talent and still be contenders. They're just in a great position. I mean, really. And then, you know, you'd hope that like guys like Moses and Kaminga are hanging around Curry and Clay and watching how they train uh, and maybe even training with the guys that, that they train with. Obviously, whoever they train with uh, knows what they're doing and uh, they should continue doing that. And if they could pass it down, which never happens in the NBA anymore. You never keep these teams together like this. So uh, it's all lined up amazingly well for the Warriors for a long time, going, starting with being able to sign KD on that with a one year when the salary cap exploded, they didn't do any easing uh, and allowed them to sign KD. And then from there, you know, and they, they were able to have Steph locked in uh, on a rookie extension, I think it was, which is really cheap, even though he would already exploded as a superstar. So all these things contractually have really been helpful. And now, you know, with, with Moses and, and um, uh, Wiseman and uh, Kaminga on rookie contracts, it's like, you know, it's perfect. So, Really, I uh, agree. Lucky, I agree. like lucky. I think that was one of the criticisms. Um, full transparency, probably I've said it in the beginning of the season that it's hard to be in win now mode and develop the youth at the same time. You know, they were kind of, it seemed like they were going in two different directions. They actually did that and won a title. So kudos to them. That's phenomenal. Absolutely. Well, listen, I think we're at the end of the show. I gotta I gotta go back in and uh, spend time with uh, the fam. So. Um, awesome stuff thank you everybody out there with super chats really helps us keeps the show going um thank you combo for hanging out with me for a little bit that was fun uh, by the way am i freezing a little bit no? i feel like yeah i feel like ever since you showed your handle on the screen 
everything's been yeah. freezing around you. It's crazy. Right. Well, you know, it's related to every time, ever since I tried to share my screen with my iPad the last time, everything now freezes. Uh, no, Zoom. it's the handle, Coach Nick. You're freezing everything. I know. Well, it's that, right. it's that flick you that. were showing. It was, it was that, it's yeah. that flick. Well, by the way, I, I even started thinking more about like filming a series of me trying to train to get back on the court and actually play. Uh, meanwhile, I, I just about rolled my ankle walking on uneven concrete uh, today. So, oh, man. Uh, man. do you ever do that? Um, it doesn't strike a bell, but you never know. Well, you, you know, know I walked out. I gone to stretch lab, but they stretched me out. I was feeling good. I'm watching the, the person parking in front of me, and I'm like, "Please don't hit my car! Please don't hit my car!" So I'm staring at that as I'm walking. Caught the edge of like a broken part of the sidewalk. I got off it before I completely rolled it, cause, and I learned that the hard way, having just ripped my ankles apart. You ever do that? You know, you can just sort of fall or get get as quickly as you can get the uh, weight off of that limb. Oh so yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But man, I'm like, that didn't feel good. So um, I'm going to be swell, this swell up on you. Uh, I don't think so. I got to look. It just happened before I got on the on the air. So I'll check it out. But man, okay. uh, but I have this fantasy of like just really just going all out training hard and maybe getting like Devin Williams or something in the gym with me uh, and just getting me, uh, you know, get my skills back up and my, uh, my sh getting back in shape. So you never know. Maybe I'll do that, uh, you know. Well, you could become skill wise even better than before. Maybe not player wise, but like. You could keep on improving your skills as you get older. The athleticism might decline, but the skill oh, yeah. level could go yeah. up. Like, yeah, you, could like probably, you could probably do stuff with your opposite hand now if you really worked on it that you couldn't do before, you know, all kinds of stuff. Well, the, the key there is that we know how to teach this stuff, whereas when I was growing up, we were teaching it all backwards and wrong and stupidly. Um, and as a result, people didn't, people like me didn't progress as well as they could have. Um, although I was like D3 level, I could have played D3. But, but Coach uh, Nick, but here's the thing. I told you this already. We talked about this before. What if 20 years from today, everything looks foolish what we're teaching now, right? Like, I think, yeah, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was exactly foolish. We just have more information now. Okay. Okay. I mean, but you, yeah, you're right. And then part of the reason why is because you can go like frame by frame and HD and really see this stuff where we yeah. simply couldn't do that without like a projector and you couldn't even do that anyway then. So I, I get it. It's like, there, it was just like, we were all trapped in some sort of weird box uh, and then couldn't figure it out better. But um, you know, even the dribbling stuff, I, no one worked harder on the game, on the game than I did, but I could never get beyond a certain level of dribbling because I was just doing all the static stuff you know, and in place and it just wasn't dynamic at all. And I it wouldn't translate properly. So now you're right. If we, if we train and by the way, shooting off the dribble, we understand so much more of that today that I could, I would be a lot better than I would be, you know, then. And again, we talked about this before really quickly. If I get into a pickup game as a guy who loved to come off screens and just nail threes all day, I ain't getting the ball in a pickup game now. Right. I don't think so. No one's setting a pin down for me. Are they? Everybody's in their uh, tough three bag. Right. I'll be like grabbing guys like stay there as I try and get out. And then no one's going to pass it to me if I'm open there. Like I don't, I, that's you probably have to like set up like a private run with guys that like right. you really know how to play. Yeah. yeah. I hear that there still exists out there. There are oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. guys driving kick and they, they do set some screens and they move the ball. Like I've heard of that. Definitely. But, um, I went yeah. to a good one actually before the pandemic and now they don't have it anymore. It was really good. It was a lot of like, um, it just had that like overseas vibe to it. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, uh, if there's one in LA, let me know where it is. And if it's preferably on a smaller court, that'd be even better. Uh, but combo, uh, you know, awesome stuff. Thank you for being here. Everybody else in the show. Thank you so much for being here as well. Uh, we'll be back. Oh, you know what? I am completely dark next week. I am uh, off the grid as we say. So um, we'll have to get it, get to it. Like, 
you know, the week after. Well, so, you know, it's the weekend holiday. We'll, we'll have to just reflect and whatever, and then we'll hit it back, uh, you know, in September, ready to go. Sounds like a plan, Coach Nick. All righty. Thank you, everybody. And don't forget, sports fans and people at Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. <laughs>